and like laid down and it was just like perfect timing. <laughs> so what exactly happened? What to Salem? Yeah. So I, I need a I need a play by play of what what transpired to the cat. <laughs> For Salem. Executive producer Salem. I, I owe him an apology. Apparently. So. Oh my god. Salem does not sleep with us very often because we toss and turn. We sleep like psychopaths in the middle of the night, and he likes to bundle up next to the one of the warmest places in your body, your ass. And one morning at like 5 a.m., I got up to go use the restroom and went to go get back in bed. And he was in his little donut shape with his face in Eric's butt. And Eric ripped a gnarly ass fart into Salem's face. I don't and recall any I, of this. All I, I heard, just about all knowledge. All I heard Salem go was, meh, and jump up out of the, like, leap up out of the bed. And stand in our doorway and just brood for like five minutes, and then Eric farted again, and he his eyes got like so fucking wide. Like he, he has just, Vietnam PTSD. <laughs> He's shell shocked. I've shell shocked the poor cat. The cat's running around like he fucking shit on me. He shit in my face. It was. Oh my god. I was laughing so hard. I'm surprised I didn't wake you up. I don't remember any of this. I was like crying. I was like Sam. I was crying laughing. Oh my god. All I know is the cat did not lay on me for like two days. (laughs) He did not want to have shit to do with me. Literally. The brooding in the door was pretty funny. Oh my god. I that's all I saw. I'm just like just those big saucer eyes glowing back in the moonlight. All I saw was his green eyes just piercing back at me but then uh, the part he might he, have pink eye at this point <laughs> can cats get pink eye but he uh, had a very God, i hope not because if so he's got it <laughs> well you know how black cats are, or any cat always has that like menacing ass mm-hmm. look when they put their ears down and like ready to they're attack just, they're just kind of just menacing and but mm-hmm. when eric ripped that other part his eyes like got really big i was like i was fucking dying you motherfucker he looked like Mothman staring through the doorway. Oh my god! Apparently, I I, like I said, can't. I don't, I don't know any of this. I'm a heavy sleeper, so I was out. I was out cold. I think this is over the weekend too. It was really funny. Yeah, it was oh like, my god! I haven't laughed that hard in forever. What, Saturday or Sunday? It was Saturday. It was a spooky fart. I needed that laugh. Oh my! It god. was like the Exorcist <laughs> fart. Look, he's, he's still having to clean himself after that. He's got a white band around him now. He gave him great fur. Uh, got, I've got, got... You bleached his fur. Possessed, possessed farts. I don't even know. God, my ass know. is haunted. It was. <laughs> Is that a fart or a banshee's <laughs> whale? Oh my god! I can't. <laughs> well, enough about my haunted ass and traumatizing the cat. Welcome to Creeps in the Crypt, everybody. <laughs> Glad we could uh, talk about my disgusting bodily functions on on air. Traumatizing your cat. Yeah, the poor Getting cat. Gray fur. I'm sorry, Salem. <laughs> It was really funny. He's licking his own ass now. He's yeah, fine. He's, he's over it. <laughs> Listen, if you can lick your own ass, you can make yourself happy in life. He's more mad about Christian spraying with vinegar water. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> what, if you can lick your own ass, you don't have anything to worry about in life? 
Oh with a God. with a cat picture on the front. We we can make that our first with, t-shirt. You know the Salem <laughs> Salem signature leg up in the air. Mm-hmm. If you can lick your own ass, then you got nothing to worry about. Absolutely. In life. Well, oh my God. I'm glad we're talking about trashy behavior <laughs> because for this episode we're we're going back to good old fucking New Jersey, home of the Jersey Shore and trashy behavior. <laughs> trashy behavior. So, Sam, take us away. So, I stumbled across this story while I was looking at researching another story for tonight. But we'll get to the other one eventually. But this one was too cool and too, like, you know, I can can never deny a good rabbit hole. I I can't turn it down. So, I went down the rabbit hole. Everybody likes a good hole. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Except Salem. Mm-mm. Oh my god! We're heading <clears throat> back to the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. Oh shit! But we second Jersey Devil. We are not revisiting our friend the Jersey Devil. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of weird shit that happens in the Pine Barrens. Yes, so. we are. We're not. We haven't even scratched the surface. Um, we are talking about a little village in Pemberton Township, Burlington County, New Jersey. It is New Jersey's most notorious and creepiest ghost town that isn't really much of a town at all. Some people say that you can still see the ruins of what, what once was a very small little village, which at its peak only had a handful of like houses and they had like a dance hall and a tavern. It was it was more of an outpost, I would say. Yeah, it's like a little smaller than a village. I would I would classify <clears throat> it as a trading outpost. Yeah. Than than anything. Mm. If you take the turnpike to exit four and follow Route 70 East, you'll come to Route 72 at four mile circle. You take a hard left <clears throat> And you'll be brought to a place known as Ong's Hat and a trail that some say leads to a mysterious portal to another dimension. Cue the Twilight Zone music. <laughs> like this this sounds like something out of like Twilight Zone or Outer Limits. It very much is a Twilight Zone kind of story. I'm okay with it. I, I love Twilight Zone. It's not quite paranormal. I would say this is more sci-fi than paranormal. Yes. The New Jersey Pine Barrens have quite a few deserted villages. Most of them are centuries old. But the most infamous is Ong's Hat in Burlington County. No one really knows, like, why. Officially, they don't know why they named it Ong's Hat. But the folklore surrounding this place is very well known. Legend has it that a resident of the area was a flashy young guy by the name of Jacob Ong. He was always seen at the local dances. He was famous for being able to woo the ladies with his fancy dance moves and his nice clothes, most notably his silk hat. His family came over from England on February 5th, 1631, and Jacob 
was born on his father's plantation in 1672 and followed his father's footsteps as a farmer. With a great fashion sense. Fantastic fashion sense. An early court case in, eight, in uh, 1698 documented that Jacob was accused of riding his horse at a gallop, quote, in the fair time betwixt the market house and the waterside in Burlington County. The fuck does that even mean? Is he Was he speeding on a horse? Yes, he was speeding. Mm. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so you're going uh, three gallops over? <laughs> You have too much this horsepower. This is strictly. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it. God damn you. It was literally on the tip of my tongue. I was like, sir, you're running with two horsepower when this is a one horsepower zone? Charges were eventually dropped when nobody appeared in court to prosecute. Probably because there's nobody to appear. Probably not. Well, they all went through a portal. We're getting there. Ong was what you would call nowadays a player. He would flirt and dance. A fuck boy. Yes. Yes. He would flirt and dance with all the women he could. One of his love interests caught on to what he was doing and attacked Ong. She took his silk hat and threw it on the ground and stomped on it. He's lucky, or she's lucky, he didn't give her the... The old uh, constitutional backhand. <laughs> Got to keep that pimp hand strong, player. A very drunk and upset Ong ran outside and tossed his hat into the air out of frustration. And it ended up getting caught on one of the higher branches of a pine tree. And it stayed there for years. It became sort of like a landmark to which people could find the small village. And that is supposedly... Why the name? Why the village is named Ong's Hat? Because they could see the hat and like, oh, there's Ong's Hat, and there would be the village. And I guess that's just how it became to be named. But there's no official, like, record, I guess, of it being like stamped as Ong's Hat. Mm. So it's an unofficial <clears throat> township name. Yeah, it's an un- it's an unincorporated township. The small village carried on in relative anonymity until 1917 when a pine hawker named John Zimbaki and his wife mysteriously disappeared from their small cabin. Nine years later, brothers Orville and Joseph Carpenter came across the skull of a woman while hunting deer along the fringes of a cranberry bog north of Ong's Hat. It was determined by Burlington County detectives that the skull belonged to Mrs. Zimbaki. Ellis Parker, the lead detective, discovered the bones of John scattered by buzzards across about two miles. Jesus. Something ripped him the fuck apart. (laughs) Or they just, like, picked him and just couldn't. It got spread out by animals. To see a bear with a human arm. (laughs) Suspicion fell on their son, who also vanished shortly before the couple went missing. The trail of the son led Ellis to New York, where the case went cold. It's said that Ellis kept the woman's skull on his desk to remind him of the case he wasn't able to solve. That's That's not creepy at all. Yeah, I was going to say, how macabre. (laughs) And I can't even go to the Goodwill and buy a creepy clown, but this man can fucking no. skull no, you can't. on no. his desk. Mm-hmm. You can no. go to Spirit Halloween and get all the creepy skulls you want. Why? 
Because they're not haunted. Exactly. That you know of. They're mass produced. They're not haunted. Mm. Eight years later, another crime brought the sleepy little town back into the headlines. Farmer Elwood Anderson was driving from Mount Holly to his house near Reed's Bogs when he saw the road was blocked. It was shortly before eight, and the dim light of the moon shined enough light on the vehicle that was impeding traffic. The doors were open. Inside the car were two bodies of men slumped over to one side. Looking into the woods, he saw another body. Horrified, he ran back to his car and called the state police. <clears throat> when was this? Um, it was eight years later, so 1917 plus eight. So he ran 19. back to his car and went home and called the police. Yeah. We don't have cell phones in 18... What or nineteen, 19 twenty something? Yeah, yeah, they didn't yeah, have no. phones in their car yet. So I would 19... say that was more probably mob related than anything. Damn you, getting there. <laughs> Sorry, oops. <laughs> I haven't even read these notes. All right, <laughs> truth be told, I haven't even read these notes tonight. I'm free balling this one. When the police arrived, they found that the men had all been shot at least twice at close range with a double barrel shotgun. Once again, Ellis Parker made his way onto Ong's hat to investigate another murder. Prohibition had just started, and the three men were known to be members of a gang that would follow molasses trucks to clandestine stills in Pennsylvania and western Jersey. They would bust in after the truck had arrived and shake the owners of the still down for money with a threat to report their operation. The detectives were tipped off that the three men had plans to raid a still in Trenton before the mobsters got to them. Detective Parker told the Trenton Evening Times, quote, They tried to burn somebody up once too often, and they got burned up themselves. End quote. Ah, <clears throat> uh, the old parable of Icarus. <laughs> when you fly too close to the sun, your wings might melt. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> The Pine Barrens became less and less populated with the dying out of the local industry. Ong's hat was all but forgotten. The last resident left in 1936, but not before some strange occurrences happened. But we'll get, we'll get to that in a second. The village now hosts no residents. There are piles of rubble, overgrown building foundations. Ong's hat might have been nothing more than a footnote in the local history books if it weren't for a very weird development that some believe occurred there in the last quarter of the 20th century. The opening of a gateway into another dimension. Cue up the Twilight Zone music. <laughs> but before we get into the gateway... Fascinating. We're going to get back to the last resident of Ong's hat. Polish immigrant John Chininski and his wife lived in the area. She ended up disappearing without a single trace. Shortly after her disappearance, John vanished too. Years later, a single skeleton was found in the woods nearby. And that's all we know about the last residence of Ong's Hat. <coughs> that, um... A lot of strange disappearances happened there. Mm hmm Already before this gateway is opened, supposedly. Yeah. The more recent history of Ong's Hat and its mysterious interdimensional portal can be found in a book called Ong's Hat, The Beginning. 
the author of the book, Joseph Metheny, not not to be confused with Joe Metheny. <clears throat> I think it's Metheny. Metheny, but yeah. I just wanted to put that in there. He didn't specify if his book was intended to be fact or fiction. He said, quote, the split between who believes the book is fiction versus nonfiction is pretty even, end quote. Some claim that the book is nothing but fantasy and has set up a hoax that many have come to accept as real. <clears throat> According to Joseph History, the Moorish Orthodox Church of America was founded in the 1950s by a group of jazz music musicians and poets who were former members of the Newark-founded Moorish Science Temple. The members of this small sect traveled the world learning different philosophies and spiritual practices from all different masters of the world. One of those travelers was a man named Wally For Fard. Um, he was like some sort of what guru. He was I a would guru. say he's a guru. <laughs> and did he like sell like the Turkish carpets? Yeah, or he was. A, he was a rug salesman and a spiritual guru. Perfect, lovely balance. This is, I I, I like what I feel like I went off into the deep end when I was researching this. I was like, am I even am I even reading the same article well luckily <clears throat> you didn't come over with the tinfoil hat on so you I didn't did go not. too far i did not but i did come over with a hat on though this story do you dirty. have some tinfoil on i that? don't i don't i checked we're good <laughs> you, you did a spot check for <laughs> i mean she took her hat off when she put her hoodie on because we're go. in the frozen tundra so uh, we're i in enjoy the, this we're in the frozen crypt. tundra yes so this part is going to seem absolutely insane so just settle in. This part. We're just going to trust the process. The, this part. This sounds, part. Okay. This part compared to the rest, you're like, what? What am I listening to? What is this? But just enjoy the ride. When Wally returned from his travels abroad in 1978, <clears throat> he spent all of his savings on a 200-acre plot of land in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. That's a lot of fucking rugs. Just saying. Yeah. He sold a shitload of rugs. Well, I guess you got to do what you got to do, man. He then founded the Moorish Science Ashram, a group of runaway boys from Paramus and two lesbian anarchists soon joined him. What a fun that's group. Hot. Yeah. Fun little group. That's that's hot. Anarchist lesbians. <clears throat> so, Perfect. So already we have a old township. Mm -hmm. That's dilapidated as fuck. Mm -hmm. And a cult. Mm -hmm. Neat. I'm excited. Like I said, trust the process. Enjoy the ride. It gets fucking weird. I'm here for it. I'm buckled in. <laughs> Wally published a series of Xeroxed newsletters proclaiming his beliefs. Those on the fringe who had read his words began flocking to his land. Among the masses were two sibling scientists who were looked down upon for their radical views, Frank and Althea Dobbs. They'd been working at um, Princeton previously, where they submitted as their PhD theses a series of equations that led to what they called, quote, cognitive chaos. I love it. <clears throat> I feel like that's what I live in every day. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. 
they were dismissed from Princeton and found their way into the Pines. On Wally's land, they were able to further their work on their ideas. Their theories promoted the idea that people could tap into the unused portion of their brains and do things such as stop their aging and purge diseases from their systems. That's not so far-fetched. There was a guy who um, tried to create a dome that did something similar with uh, sound vibrations. Mm -hmm. With, like, a, a machine attached to it, and... Like he died before, like at ninety five percent completion. So Damn. things, ne <clears throat> it's never anything came from it. But supposedly it was supposed to like reverse aging and shit. Pretty interesting shit. The ashram used their research to found the Institute of Chaos Studies, or ICS. Progress occurred even quicker than Frank and Althea and the others involved could have imagined. In under three years, they had stumbled upon an extraordinary, bizarre device that came to be known as the gate. <clears throat> this was one of the series of devices that the scientists referred to as the egg, which was basically a sensory deprivation tank, but no water. Heavily modified, I'm sure. Right. It, I mean, it didn't have like the water or anything in it. It was just like an computers egg. and. Well, yeah. They hooked people up to the computer and charted their brain waves. They experimented with sex, drugs, and other mind wave manipulators. As any good cult does. Yeah. The scientists learned how to control the chaos they found within the mind. I'm here <clears> for <throat> it. <laughs> I still have you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The egg was tested on one of the Paramus runaways. When it was activated, the boy and the device itself just disappeared. So this makes me think of a Nazi super weapon called the bell. Um, the bell was never recovered, never found, and the documents on it were destroyed, but they know it existed because the scientists we brought back in Project Paperclip talked about it. Um, I can't remember the, the Nazi's name that went on it, but apparently it disappeared with him inside of it. Just vanished. Interesting. So the Nazis, I guess, were like trying to fuck with time travel or alternate dimensions. There was a lot of weird, like, esoteric and experimental shit that they were doing. So it almost sounds similar to that. Mm -hmm. They had lots of free people to test on. No, this was more like we're going to send a bunch of Nazis back in time and conquer the, the world type shit, I think. But I honestly don't know. Like, that's just my speculation. Moments later, it reappeared. <clears throat> the boy claimed that he had traveled to the dimension next door to ours. And this was the opening of the gate. The students, participants... The people, I guess, of the ICS had to leave their Pine Barrens compound due to a chemical spill from Fort Dix that was leaking nuclear material into the area. Instead of fleeing outward, they fled interdimensionally. 
They use the gate to transport themselves and all of their possessions into an alternate dimension. Supposedly, they still lived in Ong's hat, but humankind didn't exist. Like, then nothing was developed and there were no humans there. I use humans in quotations. They just couldn't see that. Well, humans never developed. Right. So there were still, like, Neanderthals. It's just we didn't develop. So I'm assuming that's what they meant by that. Maybe. So there's still like. But it specifically said humankind didn't exist. Yeah. Well, you have Neanderthals and all sorts of shit like that. So I'm assuming there's like a, a, the missing link is running around in this <laughs> alternate timeline. And there's like. Chucking spears and eating woolly mom. <laughs> eating woolly mammoths. <laughs> According to some, the experiments at Ong's Hat led to a bloody and violent confrontation. There are claims that the government caught wind of what they were doing and stormed the compound, killing seven members of the group. When did this supposedly happen? This was in, it was founded in 1978, so I'm assuming around this time. I never really got specific well, they said within Dates. three years, they... In under three years, I mean, so 80. We'll say 80, I, I could see the government doing that. I mean, just look at Waco and Ruby Ridge as prime examples of the government fucking with people kind of living secludedly. Um, what's interesting about this, though, is they did this with Tesla, too. Tesla had a whole bunch of research when he died and the the government came in and took like I think like 60 trunks worth of notes and shit. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. And never released any of it like to the public. Hmm. So, there's that. Some say it was Delta Force who stormed the compound. Others say it was Russian operatives or the Danish militaries. Why would the Danish be operating in the United States? I don't know. Oh, fucking Danes. Skeptics of this seemingly far-fetched lore believe that Joseph's book is nothing more than a work of pure fiction hyped up by an internet hoax. Others claim that Joseph has had to hint that the book is fiction to preserve his efforts to tell the truth and protect his own safety. They fucking got to him, man. They got to him. Exactly. Exactly. The government came and got to him. They threatened his life. Dude, this is the same shit that happened. Like, Alex Jones talked about this on Rogan's podcast one time about how he had all these, like, fucking people with personality disorders and crazies, uh, like, threatening his life and showing up at his house and shit. Oh, no. Because of, like, the, the shit he was saying on his show. Joseph became involved in the Ong's Hat legend slash theory hoax, whatever you want to call it. When he posted a book catalog he'd found, quote-unquote found, called the Incunabula Catalog on BBS and FTP systems around the internet at the turn of the 90s. So this is like the first internet Internet creepypasta. Yeah, it's it's the first internet hoax. This is like some slash X slash shit, like Mm -hmm. the paranormal board on 4chan. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what. That's exactly what this mm-hmm. is. This is the hoax that started it all. 
He claimed to have interviewed one of the physicists mentioned in some of the papers written in the catalog, as well as the original author of the book catalog he'd posted. Four documents make up what's called the Incunabula Papers, and it's a little unclear as to whether there was ever any documentation of these events other than the ones that Joseph found and posted himself. I love how you put air quotes in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> Found. Found. So, was Ong's hat ever the home of a mysterious cult of nerds? Is this gate simply one of the most earliest or the earliest known internet hoax? Regardless, Ong's hat in its story really is strange and believed to be more fact than fiction by more than just a few sci-fi fans. Well, I did do a little bit of digging. I didn't, like, deep dive on it. Mm -hmm. But there was a nuclear leak. There, like... Right, that, that did happen. It's almost like a bunch of circumstantial shit just compiled... Synchronicities. That's all I have to say is like there's an insurmountable amount of synchronicities with this story mm-hmm. that would lead somebody to think that there's a cover up. I mean, so, okay. So, okay. I mean, let me let me I'm wear fa- the tinfoil hat for a minute. Okay. I'll wear it with you. Yeah. I'm down. I have my own theory on this one. I Perfect. think that Og's hat could like could be there's tinges of truth to it there's definitely right. tinges of truth um do i think this guy created a really great story and marketing campaign to promote his book by mailing out a bunch of pamphlets to people in yes. new jersey and putting them along the roadsides to mm-hmm. og's hat then yeah 100 percent very like pre-viral marketing of him. Mm-hmm. It's like we're building this thing up, we're building the lore up. And I'm going to release this book, and it's going to blow, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make a lot of money on it. Okay. But when you look at like a lot of the circumstantial shit, you're like, oh well, you know, it's it's the OG. Con- it's one of like the OG conspiracy theories, along with like it is the OG internet hoax. Yeah. And there's been a ton since. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at QAnon. It was a fucking joke that start, that ran way too far. It started out as a joke. And we all know what happened there. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show that these things can be dangerous. Slenderman, internet creepypasta, mm-hmm. went way him. too far. We'll way cover, too far. We'll cover Slenderman eventually. So he's a personal favorite. <laughs> there's right. just a lot to these things where it's like you have a lot of people susceptible to this type of medium of entertainment. They're very believable, very gullible. Mm-hmm. Would you call it a um, what was it that you uh, a a culpa? A tulpa. Tulpa. If you make it, a, a topo is more of a um, thought form energy ghost than okay. than a conspiracy. So like Bigfoot, you could consider a topo. 
Okay. Because it's big it's, enough, it has to exist. Yeah. Right. Be, Slenderman would be Tulpa esque. Okay. It's you give enough power to it, and therefore anything it exists. can exist. Slenderman does exist because there were murders that happened for Slenderman. Mm-hmm. Which is insane. Yeah. Bat shit fucking cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs crazy. Yep. But they they happened. Mm-hmm. And Slenderman now is in the zeitgeist. Really? It, it is a it is a thing now. Mm-hmm. It's you gave it power. We yep. gave it power. So therefore it now exists. And don't feed the Tulpa. That's that's all I like. Don't feed the trolls. That needs to be a shirt. Don't feed the Tulpa. <laughs> Don't feed the Tulpa. All right. Are you ready to put on your tinfoil hats with me? Absolutely. So after listening to this, reading the notes, you know, things that go on my brain. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I thought of was this guru who bought all this land, right? With the mm-hmm. last little, all of his money. All It took all of his money. I'm sure this, this is my theory. So come along this journey with Perfect. me. Perfect. I'm he here. brought all these followers with him, and he was like, we need to make a name for ourselves. Like, he, every cult leader has to make a name for themselves. So all I can think of is that this, what is the guy's name who wrote the book? Joe Matheny is the author. Wally Ford is the cult leader. Yeah. I'm thinking that this man made up his own story to promote his land, not in a way to make money, like a monetary amount, but to kind of seal his place. Do you think Joe Matheny went out there and pulled like a Hunter S. Thompson-esque kind thing of. and interviewed this dude? Yeah. And it was like, I'm going to base the story off this fucking I, I really don't think that. Job. Yes. I really, either either he did or the Wally dude convinced this guy that he was like, look, man, this is a great idea. Like, I'm going to, you need to do your, like, the Charlie Manson impersonation. Yeah, I need you to do the Charlie Manson voice for that. <laughs> Look, man, you gotta do this. Like, it's gonna, it's gotta work. Hold on, Hold on. let me, let me get there. Let me get there. <laughs> Come on, man! I came back from India selling rugs, and I bought all this land, and <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching these people about spiritualism and and yoga, and we're, we're doing all this stuff. Do a story on me, man. We open a gateway. We're gonna open a gateway through fucking. Yep. It's a sex see, gateway. That see, but that's what I'm saying. It has to be like now. I'm gonna have all these people come here, and then I'm gonna fuck their wives and make make them watch, and then I'm gonna open up a sexual gateway, and we're all gonna open our third eyes and go to another dimension. Thank you, Eric. I, I really channeled I Charlie know. on that one. But, do you, one. but does it not make it makes a little bit of sense to be like, let me promote my my. Thing, my ideas, myself, my in a narcissistic way. I right. feel like this is journalistic fiction. I I do agree with that. Yes, but I, I, I at the that. same time, it's like, what if? I think they really took advantage of the area that they were in. I mean, obviously, well, the Pine Barrens is fucking creepy. It's, it's just huge. creepy in general. Yeah, How there's many a lot of weird that? shit. It's well, like a hundred and something million acres of just barren ass forest that nobody fucking takes advantage of. Well, it's not sustainable for life. Yeah, it's just pine there was trees. a bunch of like s- small fishing outposts there. Yeah, but it's just and that's it. And pine trees for miles, bogs and all sorts of shit. And then the Jersey Devil's flopping around somewhere. I read a like a blog post 
of sorts um, of these two people that, like, went to, like, hiked. Well, I guess hiked. I don't really know. They went to Ong's Hat, the little the unincorporated township. Mm-hmm. And they said that there's, like, it's dirt road grids, like, Kind of like how like a like a downtown would be with like the blocks. So the roads aren't grown over. The They've... road into Ong's Hat is paved, but oh, that's fucking weird. Yes, it's at the corner of Magnolia. Well, and it's a very it's Ong's Hat site. Road. I I feel like it's since it's a popular site for people, it's become a popular site for people. Why wouldn't they pave it? But this guy, he says he has a very good sense of direction. He hikes all the time. And they got lost in Ong's hat, trying to, like, hike through it, Mm -hmm. and barely got back to their car by nightfall. Huh. He says he doesn't ever need to take, like, a compass or anything hiking, but every time they go back to Ong's hat, like, they take, they never forget a a compass. So it's almost... Like, there's a time-spatial distortion. They have said that before. I would love to go there. Same. I would trounce around like a You're fairy princess. You're just trying to hook up with the Jersey Devil. I'm just trying to make friends with him. Hook up. No, I want to be his friend. Well, I didn't mean like He's in a just sexual a friend. way. I just want to be friends with him. Me and him can do, like, cutesy stuff. We can make bracelets, friendship oh, he bracelets. He can do paint his hoofs. Hell yeah. We're all going to give Manny Petties together. Thank you. He's got lots of hoof space. Oh, Jesus. She's going to bedazzle. Lots of designs on that. She's going to bedazzle the, the devil's hooves. You can see him coming. Oh. And we can both. I don't want to see him coming. Um, all right. Let's, let's go ahead and drop the socials. First of all, thank you guys so much for listening to our own studies of chaos. <laughs> And they really, we really have a study. We really study chaos here, and we appreciate you. Make sure you guys are following us all the socials: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the TikTok, everything. Make sure you guys are sharing the show. I know yes. we take a break. You can forgive us, right? We're Please okay with us. it. Please we're we're gonna us. do better. I promise. It's not like some narcissistic Look, boyfriend. We we had a lot of life things happen. Um, now you're starting to sound like a narcissistic boyfriend. I'll change, I promise. Yeah, well, it's not that. I mean, like, look, life happens. Shit, I'll do whatever it takes. Shit happens, man. We just couldn't record for a couple weeks. Just scheduling conflicts and then life events. Yeah, everything. Lost some weight. There you go. But just know that we appreciate you for every share, for every download, every like, every listen. All right, guys, stay creepy. We will see you next Friday. Bye. Bye.